Patsy time, Patsy time, maybe the last time for this, but we'll find out that now, and let's see who lives. I'm totally out of Patsy questions. We've already disproved his existence. I feel like there's just no room to go from here. What if Patsy asks you a question? <laughs> well, that'd be just weird, wouldn't it? What would that even mean? Because Patsy has many questions about his existence now. Okay, fine, let's do it that way. Patsy, as you look into the hole in the universe in front of you, what question comes to mind? What thing do you most desperately want to answer? Oh. Are the souls that make me up conscious enough to know that they're being held together by me? That they are more or less prisoners. So, yeah, Patsy would like to know, does he exist as the prison as well as his own person? The answer to these questions and more coming up soon. But first, last time on Queer Dungeoneers. Things are going badly underground. Cremora became totally lost in the labyrinth of the Obsidian Palace. Jolene and Patsy met a poor wizard named Shimril Umdorf, endured a hall of mirrors, and arrived at a gaping hole in the world. A hole that Patsy just can't look away from. A hole that's whispering answers to his questions. I think you have a moment of clarity as you look into the inky darkness of nothing, and as you feel almost your whole body pulled towards it. You can feel that there are many things that make up yourself, but they have come together as one now, that what they were is not what they are. That special spark that is humanity really only resides in Patsy. And it's tragic in its own way to think that, but you also know they're not suffering. Mm. At least any more than you are. So I think that's a great segue to do a slam cut into the session! Jolene, Jolene, you walk into this room and you see so many things at once. You see a dark hole that just seems to have this energy to it. You can see everything seems to almost pull towards it, except for you. You feel no real draw to this hole. As you continue to look around the room, though, you see Cassandra and Vern, who have this green light emanating from them, and they are just there in this absolute trance, just saying line after line of the most mystical things you have ever heard come from their mouths. We are but dogs eating the scraps that fall from the tables of the gods. But even those scraps have power. They can change things. Power. What is power? Power is to be used. 
power is always abused, all who hold power will misuse it. And Jolene, I think at some point you probably turned to Patsy, and he seems similarly mesmerized by the hole at the moment. Dude, why are you all looking at this giant butthole? It's just so pretty. It holds a strange warmth, you know? What are we but just holes occupying this abyss, and it just seems... Homey. Yes. For fuck's sake. We are holes where power gathers. But no matter how much power you put in us, we are still just holes. Now, Jolene, Patsy certainly seems entranced by the hole, but Cassandra and Vern seem dangerously close to falling in. They are at the edge of the hole, this energy draining out of them and into the hole. Uh, I grab Vern. But not Cassandra? No. Could you roll me Defy Danger Dexterity? Eight. So you grab for Vern and successfully take them out of Cassandra's hand. But where you were probably hoping that this would break the trance, They still seem to be able to talk in perfect lockstep with each other, and the green energy is still flowing from them both, so Vern is safe, but is still completely entranced. Uh, I kind of tickle Vern underneath the chin to see if that does anything. (laughs) Would that be enough to wake up a snake? How ticklish are snakes, Ash? Not very, right? I'm gonna say not very. I'm sorry. The verdict's in. You tickle Vern, but they don't react. I think now that Cassandra has lost Vern from her hand, she's kind of tipping forward even further, like she's about to fall in. Uh, am I still... I guess I'm still held in a trance in some way. Do you want to roll wisdom to see if seeing Cassandra nearly fall in would be enough to break you out? Because your trance isn't nearly as bad as theirs, so... Alright, I'm gonna roll me some wisdom. That is an eight. Patsy, I think you see Cassandra about to fall into an actual fucking void and you like, you snap out of it for a moment. I'm going to say you have minus one forward because you are still like coming out of this trance. Yep. Uh, but you do have a chance to act before Cassandra literally hurdles and, and is obliterated. I'll sort of draw into that deep innate fear of ceasing to be and try to grab Cassandra. Defy danger strength. So I got an 8 plus 3, which is 11, minus 1, which is 10. Hell yeah. Nice. Remembering your stark fear of of not existing, and you couldn't possibly imagine that for even your worst enemy, this fog that has been over you instead turns into a type of clarity that you use to launch at Cassandra and save her from falling into the hole grabbing her and pulling her aside. And I think as you do this, finally this strange link between the two of them and the hole seems to break. And I think Vern probably talks first. What happened? Um, I don't know, you want to feel this Jolene? Because I'm I'm a bit loopy-whoopy. 
you guys were looking really far into that hole. And, uh, why? I think Cassandra sits up that hole, and then she turns over. That hole. And she kind of starts creeping back towards it and looking really deep into it. (laughs) Vern's like, what hole? Oh. (laughs) Just, I don't know, kick the shins, make them look away. Well, what do we... Well, what's our goal, Jolene? Yeah, let's kick him in the shins. Okay, you kick Cassandra in the shins. She's like, ow, okay, I won't look in the hole. Vern does not have shins. It's okay, I'm holding Vern. You just, like, cover their eyes. <laughs> the hole. It was... If you say it was made for you, I'm going to throw you in. So deep. Patsy, you must have felt it too, right? It's so dark, but in its darkness there is... There is wisdom, isn't there? I mean... What did you learn? What did you learn, Patsy? Okay, this is getting sort of weird for me. Like, I was generally like, hey, this is a pretty interesting hole, but like, you know when you get into a hobby and you're like, this is fun, and then the people next to you are way too into it that it's kind of (laughs) off-putting? I just feel you guys just need other interests. Fine then, keep your secrets. We should get out of this room. We need to get away from the hole. Yes, it gives and it takes. But in the end, it will take what it gave. And I think Cassandra gets up and starts heading for the door. I don't know, you don't feel like this is super weird? Like, what's this hole doing at the bottom of the Obsidian Palace? Um, I honestly don't know. Cromora said there was an anchor or something, but I just don't think this is an anchor. I think this is just, uh, I guess a strange sinkhole. You know, I'm not going to wonder too hard, but I wonder what's beyond it. Because, like, I thought Wheeze were at the bottom of this flat disc. And if there's, like, a deeper, deeper, like, what's beyond that? Maybe this is like a sink. Maybe the sink that's got, you know, a drain at the bottom. Maybe. That hole just doesn't go anywhere. So what you're saying is that every bathroom has a map of the universe? Yeah. Fascinating. (laughs) Insightful. Um, Jolene, can you please take me out of the room now? Oh, okay. Thank you. It's hard not to look at the hole. All right. I hold Vern, like, right underneath the head and just, like, walk out holding it properly. So appreciated. And I think when you both get back out of the room, Cassandra just is, like, wide-eyed looking at you. We we need to talk. Okay. You're doing it right now. Go on. We saw something. The hole is nothing, but in that absolution comes clarity. All who have power will abuse it. And the barrier was made with power. It is by the rule of nature that whoever put up the barrier would have a back door for themselves. There's no alternative, no person, no mortal, no god, who would resist that opportunity. They would convince themselves that they were doing it for good, or that it had to be done, or that someone else would do it. They would put a way for them to cross the barrier in place. 
So what you're saying is whoever put up the barrier used it to separate the gods from the mortal realm, except built a back door for themselves so they can pass through the barrier, right? Yes. There is no world in which that could not be the case. That is inevitable. So what does that mean for us? I don't know. They'll use it when it's most opportune. When do you think that would be? I think we both know when that will be. Oh, right, when the, uh... (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. We don't know who put up the barrier. Anything could be coming. So watch out. Kamura Magnus, you're having a bad time. You are stumbling around in the dark. The air here feels like poisoned to you. Every second you are here, you can feel your magical connections to the world and to the sky dimming, becoming challenged and confused. That's a concern. Unfortunately, Cremora is a one-trick pony, and her one-trick pony is magic. (laughs) I'd like to try and cast a spell, if that's at all possible. It is, but you will have a minus... It would probably be a minus two by now. I think it's probably a minus two by now, yeah. You'll have a minus two if you try to cast a spell. Uh, I would like to try and cast Detect Magic. Magic cannot be created or destroyed, it just has to go somewhere. That's a seven. I will forget Detect Magic. So, Cremora, you cast Detect Magic, and then you see Detect Magic coming from your head and trailing down a pathway. You can't see the pathway, but you can see your magic flowing down it, away from you. Then I will chase it. You run and you run and you run, But the further you chase it, the worse you feel. This feels wrong. It feels horrible to go this way. But it's also the only light you have. So my first question is, do you continue chasing it? Yes. Can you roll Defy Danger Constitution to endure the feeling of going the wrong way? Rolled an eight, and I have a plus two to my constitution, so that's a ten. Yes. Sick! What does Cremora do to bear this feeling? There's, like, the traditional, like, she thinks of her friends and them and something, and there's the, like, there's the true answer, which is she thinks she deserves this, and so she forces herself forward. I think it's some combination of the above. Like, she is conscious that she needs to get out to save the world, and this is the only lead she has to get out of here. And also, on some deep emotional level, she believes that she deserves to suffer. You run, and you run, and you keep this pace, despite it sickening you, feeling like poison in your veins. Energy is pulling up around and out of you and sucking forward. You know the way forward because you can see it coming from your body, continuing to trail out of you. You don't even notice when the light returns. You don't even notice the hall of mirrors around you. 
You don't notice that in the reflections are the great beast in the sky, and you don't even feel the glass shattering around you as the whole of mirrors is destroyed. You just feel this sickness and this draw forward to a place you don't want to go. And you arrive feeling utterly drained in front of your friends, Patsy and Jolene, as well as Cassandra and Vern. Wait, hold on, hold on, hold on. What happened to Shimrol Undorf? Also, Shimrol Undorf is here. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, Shimrel is there sleeping. You don't know who the fuck Shimrel is, but you do feel some sort of kindred connection with them. Patsy and Jolene, you hear the sound of shattering glass as Cremora emerges, looking pale, uh, <laughs> and incredibly sickly and short of breath. I walk up to her and hand her Vern. Would you like a snake in this trying time? No, I'm sorry. Just give me one moment to- and she just throws up. Oh boy. I give her water and stuff and like hold her hair back and rub her back and stuff. <sighs> Alright, um, that was deeply and viscerally unpleasant. What's going on? There's a hole that was made for everything and everyone and it's back behind us right there. Okay, that explains a lot. You can't help but look at this large door and wonder what is behind it and feel repulsed and yet still drawn towards it. You say that it's a hole for everyone. Is it like, is it some kind of rent in arcane reality? Is it a, you know, actually, maybe I should just go in and have a look just to see no. uh, my professional opinion. <laughs> you are not allowed to. Look, the hole did something really weird to Vern and Cassandra. Like, look at them. Look at them. Like, seriously, look at them. And I hold up, hold up Vern right to her face. The hole is nothing but everything? Yeah, they've been like this since we found them. Okay, so maybe, maybe we won't go into the hole room. Um, we should get out of here. Oh, but I wanted to blow up the palace. Look, we can do that on the way out. I actually, no, second thoughts, leave the palace, keep the palace here. Why? I can't explain to you what it feels like to have all of my magic draining away. And the more obsidian there is between me and the source of that, the better. <sighs> okay. At least I got some napalm out of it, and <laughs> I, like, flounce my way to the other side. <laughs> if what Cass and Vern have said is true, then maybe, just maybe, we'll have a great use for that. Okie dokie. I think we're about to face something big as whatever's, and I don't know if my punchy can do anything to it, and I don't know if your stabby can do much, but I know that uh, a little chocolate factory surprise can uh, do a little something. I'm incredibly confused about everything that's going on right now, but I just, let's... Okay, so I run over to grab Cassandra's hand. And, like, put Vern into that hand and then run round to grab her other hand and start dragging her towards the interminable darkness. Well, funny you should say that. As you come back to the impenetrable darkness, you have to step over a lot of glass on the way, and you quickly find that the light being shed off of Cremora 
is bouncing off of the walls now. Huh, weird. I look down and find a decently sized piece of magic mirror glass. Kamora will just grab an armful of mirror shards and just hold them to her chest. And so you all walk back in the sickly glow of Kremora. It's strange. Now that you have any sort of light at all, this place just doesn't feel as big or as hard to to navigate. You find your way to the exit very easily, and you come back up the stairs, and someone is waiting for you there. Oh, hi. Um, I was expecting your exiting this building to be preceded and or followed by an explosion, but- Cremora has already dropped the mirror shards and just thrown herself onto Nim. Oh, 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 hi. We found something really weird down there. I think it's sucking up magic. Whoa, Cremora looks a lot worse now. Now that I think about it. Yeah, I kind of hold her at arm's length and like inspect her face and general pallor and- You can almost see in real time the colour returning to her cheeks. But she certainly looks like she's been very unwell, and just getting out of that building seems to have done her a lot of good. And I, like, push the hair out of her face and adjust her hat. Was it dark down there? She just nods. Nim just hugs her. It's alright. We're in the light again now. I kind of, like, notice everyone else for the first time, because <laughs> I've been, like, worrying about Kamora. Oh, hey! You're back! Hello, I am Shimral. Also you. And I'm free now. (laughs) (laughs) They wander off. (laughs) I can sense Shimral might be cut entirely from the podcast. (laughs) I'm just getting that feeling. (laughs) And we will never forget Shimral, always in our hearts. (laughs) (laughs) Who? Hello? 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 Oh my god, I pull out the unbreakable orb. Cremora, I've been trying to contact you for hours. Did you blow up the anchor yet? What anchor was it? Who was it for? Tell me. Yeah, I would also like to know this. Well, so you know how gods have an anchor, right? Yes, of course, I intimately know that. I I am aware, yes. (laughs) (laughs) Imagine that. But completely reversed. What? Mortals? With anchors? No, 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 no. Anchors with mortals? The inverse is mortals without anchors, and that's just, that's just reality. That's just what, that's just what the world is. (laughs) Yeah, mortal business. (laughs) Ugh, fine. Okay, there's nothing there. There's a big hole. A hole? Yeah. What, like someone already took the anchor? No, it's just a hole. I don't know what it does, but everyone around me kind of just got all, ooh, and didn't do anything but stare into the hole. They don't look so good either. No, says Cassandra. Uh-uh, we saw a lot in that hole. We nearly fell in. I'm very confused about the nature of this hole. Very dark, and it kind of draws you in. That's gravity. It was nothing. It was like looking at the end of things. I kind of look at Jolene and Patsy. Look, I didn't feel anything. I don't know. It's... I'd compare it to a bar trivia night. Like, certainly you look at it and you're like, I learned something. But about halfway through, you wonder, is there a point to it all? That's about as succinct as I can put it. I learned something 
But man, did it not feel nice. I mean, that's just been our entire year up to this point. But it was useful. We looked into the end of the world and we saw truth. Whoever made the barrier has to have some way to get past it. There's no other way. There's no alternative. Oh, come on! (laughs) Are you sure? According to these two, yeah. Because the hole told you. Look, it might sound like the hole told us, but those who have power use it. Those who use power abuse it. Cremora, do you have any ideas about this? Like, what what could get through the barrier? That would take a lot of magic, right? If the person who made the barrier made it in such a way that they were the only person who could access it, then or access either side, then then hypothetically you wouldn't need that much power at all because you'd be using the thing that it was it was designed for. Fuck. Wait, so you're saying another god's gonna show up? Did a god make the barrier? Ah. Uh. What if the person who made it is long dead? Cause they're mortal. Well, then I guess we'd have nothing to worry about. But if they aren't, because they're a power-hungry piece of shit, then they're probably here right now. Because of that. And I point at the sky. Oh, Jesus, that's really close. Yeah, you can see it now. Three days away, two and a half days away. Yeah, but what if we get up there and someone's already fucking up there? That's not the thing we're supposed to get anyway. What are we supposed to do about that, Baramos? I don't fucking know. I don't know either. Let's get up there now. Fuck, okay. As soon as possible. Uh, how did the rest of us feel about this? Yeah, you're kind of looking a bit banged up. Oh, yeah, I kind of got bit by a dragon. What? But I kind of hold out my arm. It's just like chomp marks. I like pull up my shirt a little bit at the bottom. Chomp marks. Yeah, I got I got munched pretty bad. Oh, man. If there's someone else who we're potentially vying for it with, then there's no time. We don't have any healing potions. We don't have... Oh, we do have healing potions. What? Yeah, I have healing potions and I pull them out. Jolene, you beautiful bastard. Here you go. And I give all three to her. Cheers. And I drink one. <laughs> um, so, are we just going to go? Was there anything useful in there other than world-ending information? Eh, I mean, I didn't find any more, anything interesting, so probably not. Did you find any books, Grimora? Shakes her head. Well, fuck. Okay, climb on, I guess, and it's turn into a dragon. <laughs> I have one thing I want to do, but that's fine. Let's just go. No, what is what it? Do what do you want to do? do? Um, if we Kamora could do the ritual to turn herself into a dragon for a bit. Because you know what's better than two dragons? Boom. Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know what's better than two dragons? Three dragons. Kamora splits in half. Kamora turns everyone into dragons. So what is involved in a ritual to turn into a dragon, do you think? Considering that dragons are made by that which falls, they are born of that power, and Cremora, the place of power that Cremora will be drawing on is that. It's the same kind of thing. I don't think it's a simple ritual because you're completely transmogrifying her entire body, but I think it's basically just a really powerful version of the spell Polymorph. All right, so I think the cost for this... Oh, who the fuck cares? We're at the end of the campaign. I think the cost for this is seven fifty. Transfer it to Sammy now. <laughs> <laughs> if you're in the ten dollar Patreon tier, you you personally paid for this moment. Yeah. There we go. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> That's a new tier benefit. Cremora can turn into a dragon. <laughs> <laughs>
Kumara, I don't give a shit what room's involved in this ritual. You turn into a fucking dragon. What do you look like? Make sure to include some lobster features. So as as everyone steps up onto Nim, Kumara um, takes a step back and goes, "Sorry, just one second. I want to I want to try something. If this goes horribly wrong, I'm very sorry." And collapses to her hands and knees, and you watch as uh, her tattoos start lighting up. Along the lines of the tattoos, her skin begins to split open, revealing shimmering, iridescent, deep purple scales. Her hands and fingers expand outwards, her fingernails growing into elongated claws. Her robes seem to flutter out back behind her, expanding out into a pair of enormous wings. As the scales harden, you see uh, a chitinous exoskeleton, not unlike the one she grew when she was turned into the lobster monster. Her feet expand outwards, her clothes shrinking into her body, and her back legs turning into enormous lobster-like claws, and her spine extending, elongating out into a long, lashing tail, and the new dragon Cremora shakes herself and roars and unleashes a torrent of deep green flame into the sky. No one can hear it because she says it in animal common, but Nim is like, holy shit. What the fuck? But also, wow. You probably can't understand me. Kamura shrugs. <laughs> Nim's probably emoting in a way that makes it clear what she's saying. <laughs> it's her tail, it's wagging. <laughs> so question, who goes on which dragon? I'm going to climb onto Kamura dragon. I'll go on Nim dragon. All right. Are Cassandra and Vern coming with us? Does Sammy want to keep track of another character? <laughs> Would your characters let them come? Jolene wouldn't care either way. Like, if they got in the way, then she'd kill them. <laughs> but Yeah, fine. Okay, so Cassandra looks onto you two dragons. Please, we must come with you and see to it that the power is used correctly. Nim narrows her dragon eyes and puts her face right down close to Cassandra's. Blows a little bit of frosty breath through her hair. Whoa. I do wonder, are they the best judge of that? I mean, in our limited runs in and what I has heard, I guess you kind of have done goofed a lot with, like, what was the right use of power. Like, you kind of always bat for the wrong team. I really want to say something, but I'm a dragon. <laughs> I pop back out for a second. Sorry, Patsy! <laughs> I'm just still piggybacked on Nim. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Patsy has a point, but you also have a point. I mean, I don't think we know what we're going to do with it yet. I'm hoping we'll come up with an idea when we get up there. Kremora will reach out with a claw and just scratch ghost into the ground. Oh yeah, that thing. We're going to make sure there's a ghost zone for the ghosty ghosts to go to. That's what we wanted to do, hopefully. But we've made a lot of decisions about the world. Especially me. So, if you want to come along, I think it would be a good idea. I want to make sure as many people are involved with this decision as possible. If everyone else is comfortable with that. Yeah. Yeah. That's very noble. Okay, we'll come. Cool. Uh, take your pick. And I turn back into a dragon. <laughs> Let's go with Nime. Thank you, bud. And I take off. And I kind of look back to make sure Kimura knows how to fly. <laughs> <laughs> it takes a hot second, but she works it out. <laughs> she jumps up and starts, like, moving her forearms. 
Well, it takes you a second to get your form, Kremora, but in time, you begin to spear upwards through the air, hurtling out of the atmosphere of the worlds you have known. For the people on the backs of these dragons, you watch below you as Molten Gorge becomes smaller until eventually you can kind of see all of Concordia and then you can't. Then it's covered with clouds and what was once evening now turns to night as you can see the many stars of the universe twinkling above you. But always growing above you is that which falls. It is getting larger and larger as you approach it and as it approaches you. It is glowing, perhaps with energy, perhaps just with heat, and it is colossal. It is half the size of Molten Gorge. Huge pads of thick chitinous armour plated. Large claws like lobsters, but the size of large buildings, the size of mansions. You have never seen something so immense. And as you look into its almost buggish eyes, you see no malice, you see no contempt, no joy, no fear. It is just looking down and falling. And although it means no harm, you know that you have to destroy it. So the plan was to go inside it. Is that still the plan? I mean, I doubt we're going to be able to kill it. Certainly not from the outside. Okay, I'm going to try and find a place to perch near its mouth. Tentacle-y things. Because, you know, lobsters have like... You come in for a landing and you feel this strange moment as your sense of gravity shifts. It's like you are standing on a different planet now. You land near the mouth, but it is closed for the moment. Does this thing have nostrils? It doesn't so much have a nose, but it does have these long antennas coming out. Sharp like spears, but tall like mountains. I'll just lean into Nim. Uh, I was looking for like a nose to crawl in, but maybe like those antennae thing lack it. So if we tickle them, <laughs> maybe it'll sneeze and we can, and we can zoom on in. <laughs> this is easily my best plan. Nim Dragon kind of nods slowly and then faster. And she crawls over to the antenna, not necessarily looking to tickle them, per se, but to see if there are any, like, gaps. So you come up to the antenna. The antenna's diameter is as wide as you are, but stretches into the air like the biggest tree you've ever seen. As you come along the side looking for gaps in the plating, roll a discern realities. Sure thing. Nine. What here is useful or valuable to me? According to my reference document, the nearest place that might represent a crack in the armor of this beast is probably about a mile away. It's likely there, but it's not where you are. Mm. However, what could be useful or valuable to you? 
You're not so sure that Patsy's plan is as ridiculous as you think. You just have to understand what the definition of tickling is for something of this scale. Hmm. Let's um just cut for a second, because uh, we haven't heard from the Cremora ship. Yeah, I think Cremora is sort of floating back, waiting to see what Nim's play is. I think upon seeing her interest in the the antennae, flies over, latches on with her hind claws, holds onto it, and just breathes fire onto it. Cremora, can you roll to cast your fireball? I can indeed. Uh, yeah, that's uh, 13. Uh, so I will uh, take a 10 plus, I will deal 12 damage, ignoring armor. I mean, that's going to start to get a reaction for sure. It takes one of its huge claws and starts at the base of the antenna and begins to run the claw up the antenna as if scratching it. Grimora, you're going to want to get out of here. Incoming, incoming, incoming! <laughs> incoming! Back off. Defy danger dexterity. That's a 10. You've gotten your first reaction from it, but its mouth stays shut so far. Nim's like remembering her lobster anatomy. So I think Nim is going to crawl down to the antennule, the smelling organs. Okay, so this is for the listener at home. Lobsters have a big boy antennas and they got little boy antennas. The little boy antennas are sniffing. Yeah, so Nim's going to go down to the sniffy ones, turn around and waggle her tail over them. Tickle its nose. It doesn't work. It's not enough. This creature works on a different scale. A full power fireball on its sensing organs was enough to get it to itch once. Ugh, fine, I'll breathe ice on them. Okay, so use volley by throwing your icy breath onto this nose. Whoa! Uh, nine. You breathe ice onto this more sensitive area of the body. You know, if the antenna are as wide as you are, the antennal are really only, like, as wide as Jolene's body or something like that. Like, they're not nearly as immense as these other parts of this creature. And I think at this, the creature does the closest thing it can to sneezing. The antennal which you're standing on begins to wobble and shake... And a spray of magical potential comes out of the mouth of this creature as it lets out a bellowsome sneeze. (laughs) Cremora, it's your chance. I'm going to just dive straight into the mouth. That's another Defy Danger Dexterity. That's a nine. You rush through the sky. You weave past these globules of power. Your target is right there, this gaping mouth which is already starting to close. And just as you get in, it closes Cremora on your tail and you are absolutely stuck in place. You're in the mouth, but you, Cremora, are stuck. Wait, do I go flying? (laughs) You probably would, Jolene. You fling off of the dragon and into a puddle. As your eyes open after the shock of falling, Jolene, you can see dancing in the puddle as just colours beyond imagining. You are staring at something very close to the true potential of the universe. 
I take out a bottle and take some of the liquid. I think as you bottle it, it kind of just turns into water. What the? Okay, I'm going to try drink it. (laughs) It has a lemony taste. Hmm, refreshing. But Kramora, you are there struggling. And Nime, I think you were caught in the shock of this wriggling. You're still on the wrong side. (laughs) What I'd like to do is, because there is a very small gap, just fly back round, attach bottom claws on lower half of mouth, top claws on top half of mouth, and just try and push open even just the tiniest bit, even if it just annoys it. Because I can't imagine having someone rubbing around on the inside of your lips. It will be a pleasant sensation. I will fireball this thing's mouth if I have to. I just, I want it to open its mouth again so Nim can get in. Can you defy danger strength? Could I have a plus one? Because I'm a giant, because I'm, I'm, I'm literally a dragon. Okay, you can have a plus one. Thank you. I'm going to take a photo of this. Uh-oh. These two sixes that I just rolled. (laughs) Amazing. The jaws fly open. I'm just gonna, as fast as I can, because I don't know when they're gonna shut again. With this opportunity made by Cremora, you use your last holds to get inside in time. And you land. Cremora, you've stunned this lobster into opening its mouth, and just as Nime gets through, it closes again. And now you are all in this surreal space. What you can see here vaguely follows the anatomy of inside a lobster, but it's just swirling with this implacable potential. But it's funny, you know, it's almost like you can see the potential out of the corners of your eyes. The longer you look at any one part of it, it starts to kind of fix in place. It no longer seems so magical, but then just as soon as you get bored of looking at one area, another area will catch your interest. It's the most dizzying thing you have ever seen. Does anyone else have a headache? Yeah, this is kind of strange. I don't know, this is like what it's like in my head all the time. (laughs) I'm so sorry, Jolie. Wow, this is like the exact opposite of the whole, I'm... I'm seeing everything and my it's just muddying my mind. Yeah. I don't Ugh. know which is worse. I know now what we have to do with the power. Barry. To being this close to see it. The barrier was good, but we can do better. So what do you suggest? Kill the gods. Now, hang on just a moment. <laughs> I don't think I could have brought myself to express it until now, but now I'm so close. What about the souls? What souls? The mortal souls, who are now pooling in the community center that Cremora set up and completely overwhelming Benedict and Leonard. That doesn't solve that problem. I don't care about your mortal problems. I want the gods dead. Barry? Why do you want the gods dead? It's always been what I've wanted. And I got halfway there last time. Now it's time to finish the job. Jolene, your unbreakable orb shatters into a million pieces, exploding in a brilliant light. But as the light clears... You can see Baramos of the Fourth Circle 
running deeper into the body of the creature in the sky. Thanks for listening. Huge shoutouts to our newest patrons. Mars, Galen, Purple Chickadee, and our first ever $50 patron, Taylor. From the bottoms of our hearts, thank you so much. We have two episodes left of this campaign, as well as an epilogue episode. So strap in for the stunning conclusion to season one of Queer Dungeoneers. Till next time. Bye! So I think that's a great segue to do a slam cut into the session. How is Sammy gonna edit this one? How is Sammy gonna do that? How is Sammy gonna do this one? How is Sammy gonna edit when the Patsy time is actually an event in the plot? <laughs> you should be like, do, 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 record scratch. <laughs> yeah, but this one definitely needs a recap before it. You probably wonder how I got here. Well, it all started with... <laughs> 